0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Um, we'll be hearing God's Word this morning from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to 7. Uh, Now, as we said at the beginning, this begins the season of Advent um, in the church calendar. And many churches in the season of Advent, uh, they do a special sermon series for Advent I have nothing against such sermon series i just don't often get to it um it's just not i don't know it's just not what we do we just got into first peter i just wanted to stay in first peter so we're just going to keep going through first peter and so we get the first uh sunday of advent with first peter chapter 3 talking about wives and husbands which is not usually what people pick for the first sunday of advent but here we are um, and it is, it is appropriate, actually. Uh, the next couple chapters of 1 Peter that we see in the next three Sundays in Advent are actually very appropriate for Advent. Because in the context of 1 Peter, if you've been here uh, for some previous 1 Peter sermons, you've heard this before, but in the context of 1 Peter, it was written to people who were experiencing suffering. There is a lot of talk of suffering in 1 Peter. There is a lot of talk of longing, of hope of looking for things to be different. And so while this is not, I'm not going to try to pretend that this is somehow an Advent series. It's it's because we're just going through 1 Peter, but it fits. It is appropriate in 1 Peter for the season of Advent to look with longing and with hope. And so that helps us when we come to a passage like this, 1 uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, that can be very confusing uh, because these a passage like this can say things that are hard For us to understand, and we can look at this and we can get caught by things saying wait the Bible said said what did that really say that in the Bible and did they really mean that for us today. And at the same time, some some of us look at this and say I had no idea that was in the Bible, I do not like that at all. And other times we look at and we're like that actually I thought something like that was in the Bible, but this is not quite what I thought it was. And so there's a couple things I'm gonna ask you to do as we read this together today and then reflect on it. One is to set aside your preconceived notions and to let this scripture text speak to you this morning as God's word. This is God's word for us this morning. This morning, we're hearing God's word from 1 Peter chapter 3. we We're not, I am not lecturing, I am not discoursing on marriage and what it means to be married. We're gonna to touch on it because it's in the text, but primarily, I want you to listen and hear, what is God saying to me today? And in that, I want to ask you for grace. If you hear things, you're like, but what about this? But what about that? What about these? Those are probably good questions, and I'm probably not going to answer them all. And I'm probably not going to qualify everything the way that it might need to be qualified by other places in Scripture that also speak to these issues. So if this brings up a lot of questions for you, that's great. Hold those questions. Write them down if you want. And let me know. Talk to me about them afterwards. I would love to talk more about any of the topics. But now, let's listen to God's Word and hear what He has to say for us. For those who are married and for those who are not married, for God's Word is for all of us this morning. So with that somewhat long introduction, let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank You for Your Word even when it's hard to understand, even when 2,000 years seems so, so far away. But we thank You that Your Word for Your people 2,000 years ago was written down and preserved to still be Your Word for us today. And so we pray that as we reflect on this Word together, You would take it and sink it deep into us, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't, I don't have my mystery bag with me this morning. And because of the Advent wreath, I don't really have anywhere to put it anyway. But if I did have my mystery bag, what I would have in it is a chess set. And I would pull out an actual chess set, which is important because these days most people play chess on their phones rather than on an actual chess set. But one of the things that's fascinating about the game of chess is that what's happening right in front of you is not always exactly what's happening. If you were to watch two people play chess, you might see one player start to lose a whole bunch of pawns, and this other player is just taking pawn after pawn after pawn. And you're like, oh, that player's winning, until suddenly, it's checkmate, because the player who was losing all along, the pawns all along, knew exactly what he was doing. And he was giving up the pawns for the sake of his greater purpose, which was to checkmate the opposing king. And if you hear that, you're like, pawns, checkmate, I don't even know how to play chess. That's a whole separate discussion. I would love to talk to you about it. I play chess way too much. Um, So, you know, I love chess. But, But what I want you to think about with that is just this idea that the immediate suffering of losing those pawns is not actually the main thing that's going on. There's a bigger picture of what's going on, a bigger purpose of what's going on. And when we look here at 1 Peter chapter 3, and we say, what is going on here? What, what Peter, man, what, is, what are you talking about? And what does this actually mean? Before we get too much into the details of it, we gotta say, what is the big picture here? And the big picture here is that there's something bigger going on. Because what the people the people who are reading this letter from Peter and what many of us ex- are experiencing today is a level of suffering and a level of fear and a level of anxiety. And when I say, when I talk about marriage and I say anxiety and suffering and fear, you might think, well, that's not really what I was hoping for, but there is a reality there, right? As anybody who is married can tell you, or anybody who has seen any marriage can tell you, it's not all sunshine and roses. We would love for it to be. And there's other places in the Bible that talk about the wonders of marriage and how glorious and how beautiful it is. First Peter chapter 3, Peter's looking at at the real side, the hard side. What do you do when marriage, when relationships, when life is not quite what you wanted from it? What do you do Christian wife, when you are married to a husband who is not obeying the word, who is not putting his faith in Christ? What do you do, Christian husband, when your wife is not doing all the things that you would want her to do, all the best things? What do you do anybody, married, unmarried, husband, wife, or anybody, what do you do when the relationships in your life are not going the way that you expect? Not everybody around you is honoring God in the way that they should. Well, no, not everybody around me is honoring God in the way that they should. It causes anxiety. It causes fear. And the question for us when we get to 1 Peter chapter 3 is what do we do with that fear and that anxiety? See, and it's here in the text. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not putting it in the text. It's there in verse 6. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. It's real fear, it's legitimately frightening. So why does Peter say not to fear? Because the main message here, the main message for us this morning, the thing that brings us all together is that God is the only one to fear. God is the only one to fear. When those pawns are getting attacked, when even when those knights or those rooks are falling, there's a greater thing to focus on, it's the king. The king is the thing, the king is the goal. The king, the real king, the king Jesus, like we talked about last week, the greater king than the emperor, the greater king than the masters, he is the only one to fear. And we put him first. When we, put, we set ourselves to walk in his way, to fear him alone, and to obey, his, to trust his ways, then everything else starts to fall into place. And we can start to make sense of these specific commands. So then let's see, how does this play out as we fear God alone, recognizing he's the only one to fear. So then there's three kind of specific commands that play out of this. One for wives, one for husbands, and one for all of us. First, the text tells us that wives must respect their husbands. Very straight up there. Secondly, it tells us very straight up that husbands must honor their wives but it tells all of us that all of us must prioritize God and must put God first. So first to wives respect your husbands because that's what it puts first what Peter puts first. How does this fit in 1st Peter? See if you were here last week last week Peter told his readers that they need to submit themselves to the emperor and to the governors. And then that servants need to submit themselves to their masters respectfully. So he had set up these these authority relationships that God himself has put in place and established and said, hey, Christian, you live within these relationships of authority, so live within them. Trust God in them because he's the true king, gives you a lot of freedom in that. So in one sense, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands. He's just going right along with that. He's just saying the exact same things. He's gone emperor, governor, master, wives, and husbands. Now, this one's a little bit different, as we'll see in a minute, because he turns around and talks to the husbands, which he hadn't with the emperors or the masters. But he's saying, hey, wives, wives need to respect your husbands, even if they're not that great, right? Even if some do not obey the word. Why? Because this is the position that God has put you in. And see, this is where our our cultural distance is hard for us, because we hear this saying like, hey, Peter, are you telling us something new, like that there's this this relationship between wives and husbands that we weren't familiar with? We got to put ourselves back in their eyes. To them, the ideas that wives would be subject to their husbands was not new in the slightest. That was just a given in the same way that it was the emperor and the master, like that husbands would be controlling towards their wives, was just it was just a given. And so Peter's not saying this to set up the relationship. He's saying this to tell us how to live within that relationship. This is the state of the world. Likewise, when he goes on uh, in verse 7, a similar concept says, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Peter's not saying that to say, hey, let me tell you that women are weak. That's not really what he's saying. What he's saying is it is an observation about the world that physically speaking, there are differences between men and women. They thought very physically right back then. And one of the things we have come to realize today, you know, we, we went through a period in our culture where we tried to say that everybody is equal, everybody is the same. One of the great things that has come out in the past few years, even culturally, is a greater recognition of power dynamics even if not physical, all the kind of power dynamics that, re, that exist in authority structures. And Peter's standing back here like, guys, yeah, we knew this a long time ago. This is not new. What he's telling us is how to live in light of those. So it's not that he's setting them up. He's saying, this is where they are. It is just a fact. How are you going to live with it? So what is he saying to wives to respect your husbands? When they see your respectful, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold, jewelry, clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. What is Peter saying? I don't think Peter is trying to give us specific rules for dress. He's not giving us lengths for our shorts. It's just not, it's not there, right? Because you, you know, it's, it's not specific enough for that. What is he saying? He's pointing not to the, the, the specifics of the way that we dress, but to the attitudes behind it. What is the temptation wives in a relationship with their husbands where their husbands may not obey the word? The temptation is to use whatever means they can to try to get what they want or to try to protect themselves. And what Peter's saying is, hey, you could try to use these means. You could try to use beauty and and that. He's saying, no, focus on your heart and your obedience to God. Because what are you doing in that? You're giving up your own control of the situation and trusting in God's way. To say, God's way is that I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to respect my husband simply because he is my husband. And I'm not going to try to figure out all the ways that I could get him to do the things that I want, but I'm going to trust that to God. In the same way that we can obey the civil authorities and we can obey our workplace authorities, trusting for God to work things out because we have freedom and safety in him, when we realize that God is the ruler of all, God is the one who protects us, God is the one who gives us justice, then we can trust in his ways and we can walk respectfully in those relationships. Now, what exactly does that mean? That is a question that you have to work out in each individual situation. That's a question best, as as Alejandro was talking about life together, one of the reasons for life together is to work these things out in community, to talk with one another about what it means for wives to respect their husbands. And to talk with one another about those situations that don't seem to be working out. What does this do then? You know, I said I wasn't going to qualify this with a thousand qualifications, but I will say this what does this do in situations where husbands are not just not obeying the word, but husbands are actually being abusive? What does it say? It still says that we go God's way, but God's way includes giving his people. The church is there, the community of God's people is there to protect people, to provide justice. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, man, Jimmy, I wanna do what the Bible says, but this is not, this is not working. Tell me, tell a friend, tell somebody else in the church. Say, I don't understand how this works. So that we can come around one another and say, here's how we can help one another. Because see, again, like I said last week, the commands there were to those who were in positions of weakness. It was, Peter wasn't giving commands to the emperor and to the masters for what to do. Those commands are in other places. Likewise here, the commands are in other places for the church as a whole to protect those who are weak and vulnerable, to come alongside you and say, hey, we are going to get you out of here. We're going to help you out in this situation. So that's, that's there. It's all here in that. But the key is to it, to, to go God's way, which is to respect your husbands, to, tr- to trust them, to trust them even in those, in those dicey situations. Where you're like, I don't know that this is the best way, but I'm going to go with it. What did Sarah do? Where did Sarah come in here? Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You are children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Why is that significant? Those of you who are here, do you remember what Peter's probably talking about? Do you remember what Sarah did? to trust and obey Abraham, she went into dangerous places with him. She went into countries where there were abusive rulers who were going to take her by force. And she let Abraham say, hey, you're my sister. This is my sister. But you know what's fascinating? It's unclear exactly what happened in the household of Pharaoh, which is one place that happened. The second time that happened with Abimelech, the Bible's very clear that God kept him from touching her. Doesn't exactly say that Abraham was right. I'm not exactly saying that either. But, Abraham, but God honored, honored Sarah's trust. As Sarah trusted that God had put her in this place and she did not fear what was legitimately frightening. And God protected her. What does that mean for our individual situations today? We're gonna to have to work that out individually. But we can know that we can trust God in this. We can trust him even in times that are frightening. Now, what is different here, a lot of those felt like it was the same uh, from before with the servants and the the emperors and all, but here Peter turns around and he starts speaking to husbands because before, in, in the church at that time, really, it was mostly of the lower classes. There weren't a lot of emperors and governors in the church. There weren't a lot of masters in the church. There wasn't much to say to them, but there were husbands in the church. And so Peter turns right around and talks to the husbands. And what does he say to husbands? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, this is where we get caught again by our cultural distance, because we tend to hear that and we focus on that word weaker. But that's not where the passage focuses. Peter's saying that's a fact. There's a physical difference husbands can very easily intimidate their wives even if they never do something physically striking or physically harmful most husbands are simply bigger and more intimidating and in a lot of situations have a lot more power in a lot of ways and those power dynamics matter and so what peter is saying to husbands is hey you have this power it's just there but what i'm telling you is they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That in God's economy, God made male and female in his image. That there are no second class citizens in God's economy because men and women together are members of God's family, members of the church. Before we are husbands and wives, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So there is a radical equality there that Peter is calling husbands to recognize while recognizing the power that they actually have. See, we tend to, we, we, we look at this and we can miss, as, as men, as husbands, we can miss the power that we have. And in doing that, we can fail to use it for good, to use our power and strength to build up and honor our wives. And in the same way, by missing the power that is there, we can abuse it and not realize what we are saying, how we are being harmful, how we are hurting our wives. And to broaden it out from husband and wife relationships, in any relationship where there are power dynamics, we need to pay attention to that. And I say power dynamics, and some of you are saying you're talking modern gobbledygook, and I'm saying First Peter's talking about power dynamics, He is recognizing that there is a power dynamic here, and husbands need to be most attentive to that. I heard a pastor long ago say, and this was in a series of talks on marriage, she said, husbands, you should get a PhD on your wives. You should seek to understand your wife better than anybody else in the world, to understand what it is that she loves, what it is that makes her tick, what it is that she's afraid of, and to do everything you can to build her up in that. Live with your wives in an understanding way, recognizing these dynamics, listening to her, caring for her, cherishing her. What happens if you don't? What Peter told the wives, you know, do not fear anything that is frightening. The warning to the husbands is one of the harshest warnings in all of Scripture. What happens, husbands, if you do not live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman, so that your prayers may not be hindered. What happens if you're not recognizing your power, not seeking to use it, not seeking to build up those who God has placed under your care in your authority? He's not listening. It's a severe warning. When we say fear God alone, it means both do not fear others, but it also means fear God. The God who you want to change things who you want to make things different in your life, who, wants, who you want to bless you and give you what you need for this life, who wants to make you, you want God to make you succeed, you want God to make your wife to be the person you want her to be, to be filled in all of her glory. What do you need to do? You want to pray for that. Can you pray for that? If you're not respecting and honoring her, it's not going to do any good. What does God say to your prayers? He says, honor your wife. Listen to her, love her, understand her cherisher husbands must honor your wives for in god's economy you are heirs together made in his image reflecting his glory and beauty in all the world so that's wives and husbands what's the thread that pulls us together that all of us all of us must prioritize god where is that here in the text And when you look at both of these things what's going on peter's not actually just saying it, it this wasn't like peter sat down and said let me tell you some things about marriage He's continuing to tell us what it means to be sojourners and exiles in this world in all of the places that God has put us. And the common thread here is that we prioritize God. What is the purpose of the wife's respect for her husband? It was in verse 1. That even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. What is the goal, wives? That your husband would know God more. Whether he knows God now or whether he doesn't. Whether he's obedient now or whether he doesn't. The goal is that he would. What is the goal for husbands? Well, as husbands, that your wives would come to see themselves as heirs of the grace of life. That your prayers would not be hindered. Where are we focusing? We are prioritizing God. What do we fear? Nothing other than God alone. Even the things that are legitimately frightening. Because all of us prioritize God. And when we're putting God first, then the losses along the way seem less significant. And as we walk through this together in the community that God has given us, we can support one another, we can help us un- help one another understand, hey, you're not seeing this right. You're not doing this right, you're misunderstanding. Let me come alongside you and help you. Let me come alongside and protect you because God is, I'm, God is gonna use me to protect you right now. We can say that for one another. And in this, we recognize that even though I started with a game, this is no game. In fact, the, the, the game of chess that may come to mind for some of you is an epic game of wizard chess from Harry Potter at the end of Harry Potter. And in wizard chess, the pieces actually move and they actually hit each other. In the end of Harry Potter, Ron and Harry are trying to get through this puzzle to, to get to the end to save the thing. And they have to play a game of chess and they actually ride the pieces. And Ron, who's the better chess player, realizes that what needs to happen is a night sacrifice. And so he says, Harry, you go here. And Harry says, you're gonna be killed. And Ron says, I know, but you'll get the checkmate and you'll get through. And so Ron riding his big chess piece, he goes and he gets smacked down by the the magical chess piece that knocks him off the horse. Now he survived, it's the movie. They get through, But, but it's real, right? The suffering is real. All the talk of looking to the greater good, looking to God first, not fearing what is frightening, is not to minimize that it is frightening, it is real. But we can do this because Jesus came through it first. That Jesus went through the ultimate suffering for us. And he, just as it showed us right before this, at the end of chapter two, this was talking about Jesus in the context of being subject to unjust masters and unjust emperors. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Because Jesus went through all the injustice of these relationships. Whatever relationship you find yourself on, on the, the high side of power or the low side of power, Jesus says that God is the one who judges justly and God is the one who will protect us. That Jesus gave up all his power for the sake of others. And then he took all the suffering and injustice on himself that we might be saved and find life by walking in his path. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word even when it's hard to understand. We pray that you would give us more and more understanding each day. That you would show us what this means for each one of us in our lives to walk in ways that trust you and fear you alone and no others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.